just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening guys? It's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dawson Mackay. Next Level Guy is a go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Nick Bear. Nick is the CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition, founder of Embrace the Sack Training, host of the Bear Performance Podcast and published author of 25 hours a day. Nick spent four years as an active duty army infantry officer and applied the lessons he learned during his time in service to building his business and inspiring others around the world. In this interview, we discuss his story, how he built a business while serving his country, his amazing accomplishments, and how you too can build a business by putting in the work and embracing the sack. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for doing this. You're an absolute star. I'm a big fan. You've built a juggernaut of a business. You've um, done some amazing uh, walk, like hundred mile walks. You've, you know, you're a a gold mine of amazing achievements. But for people who don't know the name, can you just give a quick intro, like who you are and why you're why you're so well known? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Nick Bear. Uh, I'm, own, I'm the owner of Bear Performance Nutrition, which is a sports nutrition dietary supplement company. Uh, we're based right outside of Austin, Texas, about 20 miles north of the city. Uh, I started the company in 2012 when I was in college, actually. So I was studying nutrition at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which is up near Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, Western PA. And I started Bear Performance Nutrition when I was a junior in college with a small $20,000 loan. Uh, quickly after that, a year later, I, I went active duty army of, as an infantry officer, was shipped to Fort Benning, Georgia for a year where I completed infantry officer basic course, ranger school, airborne school, and then my first duty assignment was uh, Fort Hood, Texas. And when I got to Fort Hood, I started a YouTube channel. This was 2014. And I was just documenting the process and journey of training and nutrition uh, from like a kind of a personal vlog standpoint and I was still running and, and growing and scaling my supplement company at the time and my content just started to pick up where I started documenting and showing pieces of the military and the experience as an army officer and then a nine-month rotation in South Korea and documenting that process and showing behind the scenes of being a, an infantry platoon leader and scaling a business and brand and, and trying to learn how to be an entrepreneur um, and then in 2017, I transitioned out of the military, uh, which was kind of just the perfect timing because a year before that, our brand grew 750% in one year. Uh, and that nine months, that, yeah, that nine months I spent in South Korea, which I could talk about forever, was the most productive nine months of my life and kind of really set me up for success to this point now. So, when we got back from South Korea, uh, my brother moved down to Texas, and we moved into a 6,000-square-foot facility, which we outgrew in about two years, and now we're in a 10,000-square-foot facility. Um, and I was able to take you know, that brand that I started in 2012, which for the first three years, we didn't make more than $20,000 a year. And then going from 
you know, twenty thousand dollars a year, quickly do six figures, and then within a year after hitting six figures, hitting seven figures, and now being a multi uh, seven figure brand, uh, and and just like the process and journey of scaling that brand through social media and my time in the military and lessons learned has been a crazy experience and journey. Uh, but I've loved every minute of it, and that's kind of what put me in the position right now where um, we can continue to scale and build this brand, and I can work on my personal brand using YouTube and social media platforms to ultimately like be transparent and show the behind-the-scenes process of what we're doing. I mean, I love that because it's more when I found out your story that you know that you had signed a lease before you'd even seen the building that you know you had created a business by asking your like dad and that to you know package parcels while you're overseas and stuff like you know you were it's like you did a a no-no list of business uh, rules and everything you did you made it work and that's why i wanted to have you on because you've got such an amazing story and it also shows like um you know some really strong characteristics in you that makes it successful you know like there's a their whole kind of powerful framework there that you you made it successful you know where other people would have crumbled you know you've you pushed through you you walked over 100 miles you know like is it regularly in the army and then you did it for a charity you've done an ironman just because you fancied it you know you've done some amazing things but if we take it right back um i don't like saying the phrase little nick because that sounds like i'm talking about something else entirely um but can you just tell me a little bit you know about who you were as a kid you know what kind of if we went right back what would you be doing you know what kind of things were you interested in what you know what kind of led you initially into the sort of military style were you always interested sort of in that national pride when you were younger no, that's interesting. So I'm I'm currently writing a book right now, uh, which should be released in the next about three months, and it's called 25 Hours a Day, and it's it's essentially uh, my life story from where I started to to where I am right now. And I talk about, and this is you know what I'm going to explain right now. Growing up in high school, I was pretty I was pretty average. You know, I didn't I stand out to the extremes from like physical performance. I was never a stud in sports. I wasn't a stud in school. I was just like your average, you know, average high school student. Um, did average things. I played sports. I got into fitness when I was like a junior or senior in high school. Um, but what made me want to join the military was my cousin. Um, he was active duty army infantry, and it was like 2006, 2007 when the war was really kinetic. And he would come back from these deployments back home, and I would see the way he was changing, like his values were changing and um, the respect he gained and was shown from the community and our family. And there was, was this one time that we were at dinner and my grandma asked him like, you know, why, why do you do this? Why do you keep going back to war? Why do you, why do you stay in the army? Like, what is it that keeps you going? And he said, you know what? Like someone has to do it. Like someone has to, and that's why we have this voluntary based army in the U S someone has to stand up and do it because if not, you know, we'd be forced to, uh, so someone has to contribute to the society and help. And that really, like, that stuck with me for a long time. And that made me want to serve after watching my cousin, you know, grow and develop and and the lessons he learned in the military. It made me want to follow that same path. So when I was about a sophomore, it was either sophomore or junior in high school, I applied for a National Army ROTC scholarship, which 
I was selected and, and awarded. So essentially that meant I would go to college paid for by the military 100%, but I would owe military service afterwards. So I got into, you know, when I found out I got a scholarship. I started getting more into nutrition and training and physical performance to prepare myself for college where I was going to be an ROTC. And that's kind of what put me in the path of, of wanting to join the military and taking that next step forward. Because as soon as I got to college, I signed my contract that said, I commit, you know, my four years to college paid for by the army in exchange for time and service. Cause I love uh, when I listened to another interview and you'd said, you know, that you'd done that and then you thought, okay, I'll do four years and then I'll become an architect. You know, it was that kind of idea of just, yeah, there's no problem, no danger. I'll just, I'll get that done. Then I'll move on to the next chapter. I like the way you had already sort of planned out what you were going to do. Do you think you'd ever gone down the nine to five role? Would, are you always the sort of person who needed to be keep challenging yourself and sort of putting yourself into these kind of situations? Were you like that as a kid or is that something you've kind of just done through learning, you know, like growing your business, running the um, Ironman and all that kind of stuff. You just found that you just get off on these kind of challenges even? I mean, early on, I was, I had like the entrepreneurship spirit. Um, I still worked like nine to fives growing up. I needed to make some sort of money to, to pay for the things I wanted to do when I was in high school. But I had like these really intense passions growing up. So like when I was younger, I got really into construction. I'm talking like 13 years old. When I was 13 years old, I'm asking for, like, for power tools for Christmas. And I would build these things. I got really into construction. I wanted to be an architect then. Awesome. And then I got really into cooking. And I wanted to be a chef. I got like, these intense passions. And I would go all in on these on these things. Um, and then I found fitness. Um, and, and along the way, I started a, a small lawn care company when I was in high school. And I realized then, well, I was my own boss. And, you know, as – as I was mowing people's grass, you know, I'm just pushing my lawnmower, my parents' lawnmower around the neighborhood cutting grass. I was making like four or five times more than my friends were working a, a traditional minimum wage nine to five. And I don't know at that moment if that's what kickstarted the, the idea and concept of being your own boss and building a brand or a business, but I absolutely loved that. Like I loved being a part of that and being able to build that. And that was like, very attractive to me. So I went to college with the intent of like, I didn't know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, but I knew I wanted to join the army and I knew I wanted to study nutrition. And I figured I would figure out after my time in the army what I wanted to do. And I got really into sports nutrition. I got really into bodybuilding. I got, I got extremely interested in, in uh, the supplement part of it, like supplement science. And I started in college mixing up my own pre-workouts. So, you know, me and my buddies were bo broke. We had no money. And we'd go online and we'd buy these bulk ingredients. And I'd buy bulk caffeine and beta-alanine and citrulline malate and all this stuff. And I'd mix up my own pre-workout and I'd sell it to friends in college. So I always joke, it probably looked like I was a drug dealer because I'm in my dorm room. And um, people would come knock on my door. I hand them a baggie of this pre-mixed pre-workout, which is white powder. They pay me some money. They walk away. Um, and that's where really I, I got interested in supplement science and formulations and the experience of – just pre-workouts at the time. And between my junior and senior year of college, I had to go to this, it was called advanced camp. 
uh, and all Army ROTC cadets between their junior and senior year of college go to this advanced camp to get assessed by all the other cadets in the nation. And there are like 6,000 students this summer. And I go to this advanced camp and my evaluations came back like very well. Like my evaluations on leadership and management came back at, at the top tier. And this kind of bred this newfound confidence in me. I was like, man, I, I, I can lead. I can manage people. I didn't know I had this ability. So I came back from this advanced camp and literally the next day, Bayer Performance Nutrition was formed as an LLC in the state of Pennsylvania at the time. Um, and I, I, the best way to put it is I've never been a per person and this, this phrase and this term is thrown out all over the place. Uh, what is this? It's analysis by paralysis. Oh yeah. I've or paralysis, paralysis analysis. And like people say it, but, but I swear I don't, I've never experienced like that trait. I've never been paralyzed by the thought of analyzing something. Like if there's something I want to do. I decide, okay, I'm going to do it, and now let's figure out how to make it happen. Like I commit to things first and then figure out how I'm going to get there. And I've been that way since probably the day I launched my company or the, the day I decided I wanted to join the military. Up until this point, it's only gotten stronger where if there's something I'm going to do and I want to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit first, and then I'll figure out how I'm going to get there afterwards. And I contribute that trait fully to being able to build and launch bear performance nutrition because i think that's definitely a, a defining characteristic of why you've been so successful because you know so many people you know they knock themselves out of the park before they even start because they start going oh no i need to i need to go to the gym i need to get into shape i need to do this whereas you've just gone i want to do that and then you've figured out how to go about doing it. So instead of starting at a negative, you're looking at the positive aspects and, you know, figuring out where to go. So from your time in the army, did you notice the, like, the development of your own kind of um, values, the, your development of your own personal self to the kind of levels that you admired in your cousins? Did, did it work out for you in that kind of range you know, did you get what you wanted from it the same way that your cousin got from it? Yeah, I mean, I think just being an ROTC, uh, I mean, our instructors were active duty officers and NCOs. Uh, I gained a lot of those values. Uh, and my values, as I grew in those four years, became aligned with the military and military service. So the, by the time I got to, you know, active duty military, I was already living those values uh, and prepared to fully adapt them. But I learned so much. Yeah, just I was only active duty for four years, but I learned so much in those four years from you know myself and from other people uh, that those lessons I learned will forever you know carry me through life. And I always say like, you know, everyone everyone takes different experiences and learns differently from them. So I'm not saying that everyone that joins the military learns these great lessons and carries them for the rest of their life but it's perspective it's the way you look at things like person a can look at something and say this sucks this is bullshit i don't want to do this like i'll suck it up it's gone or over person b will be in the same exact situation but their perspective is so different where they look at this this suck or these tough times or these these things that test their patience as like growing pains things that they have to adapt and overcome and they become a better person from it. So I think it's, 
it's the type of person that's that takes that experience and puts it into perspective of positive rather than negative and really just runs with that, like runs with those experiences. Well, so when you started your business, you know, you had no business experience, you had no like, I assume marketing or pr- you know, promotional products and all that kind of stuff. Um, pretty much like I do with this podcast, to be honest, and you sort of learned as you went. Was that the hardest thing in the business, do you think? You know, if you had to look back at that time now where you were juggling uh, army career, you know, having to almost work twice with your family because you've got their almost employees and their family members and you're having to do this from a distance. How, how did you manage to juggle all that? Because that would crash so many people. Was it just a case of yeah. you wanted it and you just went for it? Or, you know, was there any kind of... I don't know. Did you ever sort of step back and look at it and think, how the hell did I manage that? Because that's a formidable oh, achievement. All, all the time. I mean, I I went into this um, very naive, and I remember the you know, the moment I decided I want to make this this company. I talked to my dad and I said, "Hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to place this production order for pre workout supplements. I'm going to send some of the pre workout." to these fitness YouTubers, I'm gonna have them review the supplements. This is before I was using social media. So I send out these supplements to these YouTubers uh, and they kind of do like a half-assed review, kind of post about it. And I launched the brand and I told my dad, I said, year one, I'm gonna make a million dollars. And he said, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. And I launched the brand and maybe one order rolled in. And I quickly learned that just because you have supply, it does not equal demand. And I think in today's like society, especially from a social media perspective, and especially from social media entrepreneurs, I did things. I did things backwards. You know, most people now that start brands, not all, obviously, but but from what you see online, people will establish this social media following online, and they think, well, I'm going to monetize it now. And then they become an entrepreneur. Then they start a company. So I always look at this and I say, were you passionate about entrepreneurship or are you passionate about just making money, right? I did things backwards. I started a business and I didn't start social media for two years after that. So when I launched, like I said, I quickly learned that supply does not equal demand. And then I had to figure out, well, how am I going to create demand for the supply? Um, and that's when, you know, I was so committed. It was never, hey, if this doesn't work out in a year, I'm going to close it. If this doesn't work out in two years, I'm going to close it. If this doesn't work out in five years, I'm going to close it. It was just every day, like head down, drive forward, do what you got to do to get to that next step and establishing these small goals to reach the big goal. And I became what I call like the Swiss Army pocket knife of BPN. I was the marketing. I was the advertising. I was the shipping. I was the customer service. I was the media department. Um, I was the uh, I was placing production orders and working with manufacturers. Like I was doing everything because I wasn't making enough money to have help at the time. It wasn't until like I went to South Korea and was stationed there that, or even when I joined the military, for that matter, um, that I had to ask my family to help pack orders as I was gone. And when I say help pack orders, this was maybe you know one to five orders a week that would roll in while I was gone. And the first years were hard. The first three years were hard where, you know, like I said, we were doing less than $20,000 in revenue a year. And I was trying to figure it out. I was doing everything that I could to teach myself. 
but I was coming from a background where I didn't know people in entrepreneurship. I didn't know people that started businesses, especially e-commerce businesses. And I quickly learned that if I wanted to make it happen, I was going to have to teach myself. And I knew that all the resources I needed were available online. And that's what I was going to do. I was going to double down and spend every waking minute teaching myself how to build a brand until it happened. And that's what I did for nine months straight when I was stationed in South Korea. That was the most, like I said, most productive nine months of my life because when I got there in early 2017, I said and told myself, okay, Army is priority. That's number one. But in every waking moment outside of my time at work in the Army, I'm not watching any movies. I'm not watching any TV shows. I'm not playing any video games. I'm not hanging out with friends. I'm strictly working. I'm learning how to edit videos. I'm learning how to take photos. I'm learning how to market products. I'm learning how to build a website. I learned how to uh, code a website. I taught myself everything I needed when I was there. So when I first got to South Korea, you know, we were making maybe at the time two to three thousand dollars a month in revenue. And I told myself, by the time we leave, by the time I leave, I want to be making ten thousand dollars a month in revenue. And within the first 90 days, I made that happen. And that was our first year we hit six figures. Um, and that was a massive shift. And that was massive for us. I mean, is that the kind of thing that you think was why it was so successful, that you were just literally going in blind to it? You didn't really – it was almost – I don't want to say ignorance is bliss, but you didn't know what was doing. So it was it was the enjoyment of learning. It was that kind of developing your skills, stepping into the unknown and just challenging yourself that made it so almost fun in a way because you didn't know that – like if I, somebody, I, you know, if you didn't start your business, you hadn't ever, you wouldn't have put yourself under that immense pressure that other people do when they go and build these massive brands and then have no products to go from. You started it in scratching your own itch, so to speak. Well, I always say I was ignorant 100% before, before starting. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, um, but I knew it was something I was passionate about. I knew it was something that I would love creating and building. Like, I love projects like that, creating something from scratch and learning how to make it happen. And I was 100% ignorant on how much time, effort, money, resources would be required to, to make it work, like to make it successful. Um, but like I said, like even as I learned, as I got you know even years into it, I started to realize how hard it was going to be it never made me double think what I was doing. It only made me want it even more, you know, because people would tell me like, even my accountant after year three told me who was no longer my accountant, but told me, Hey, you should consider closing this business because I just don't see it working. And friends would say, you know, just, you should consider closing the business and not doing anything really. And it never really made me mad. It never made me upset. I was just, so driven on that path that I wasn't going to stop. Um, and that's just, you know, the, the best way to put it is I went all in. And when I went all in 100%, um, that's when I saw the change. That's when I saw the difference because you can't half ass anything. You can't go 50%, 60%, 70%, or even 80% at something if you expect a hundred percent return. And when I went all in, that's when I saw things really pay off. 
So how did you know then at that point you were building not a merchandise stall basically, but an actual brand, something that was actually giving value to your customers and something that you truly believed in, you know, something that you could actually spend these 25-hour days you've talked about. Um, you know, how how can somebody make sure that they're not just adding to the noise, but they're actually building a brand which they believe in, that they know is not trying to fuck over their customers, that they know is actually going to do some good in the world because your brand is amazing you've got like the products you sell are you know what customers need but you're making people better you know you're not making money off them just for the sake of it you're actually benefiting your customers which is quite rare in the fitness industry so how do we make sure that like you've done if built a business from the ground up but actually make it sure it serves the people that purchase it from it yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, it's it's easy to spot someone who isn't genuine and, and authentic. And when I started my YouTube channel in 2014, it was never the intent to monetize or sell products. And when I first started my YouTube channel, I wasn't even selling my products. I wasn't pushing them on people. But I started doing YouTube to help people with training and nutrition. And that's where it all started. And then I fell in love with, with the response and documenting my life and my progress and then seeing people react and share their progress. And I really, I love that aspect of it. And I, I learned and quickly realized I'm not selling a product. You know, there's a difference between a product and a brand. I am a brand, like my personal brand with BPN, we are a brand and there's a lot of different ingredients, if you will, in that entire recipe. So like one of those ingredients is the business, is the supplements. But then there is the education through training and nutrition. And there's the motivation and inspiration through things I do physically uh, and speeches I give and things I talk about that I learned in the military. And then there is the transparency aspect that we really honed in on early, showing you know exactly the process, like documenting the entire process of where I started for the last six years, essentially, um, through building this this brand and this lifestyle on YouTube, on social media and showing people like how we formulate products, showing people where our stuff is made, showing people how it is made, like showing every aspect of what we do and being super transparent in that there's nothing we can hide because we show everything. And when you take all those ingredients for that recipe and put it together, you have a living, breathing brand. And that brand resonates and is relatable with people. You know, people can feel what you're feeling. People can experience what you've experienced. Uh, and when you have that living, breathing thing, it has so like so much emotion and inspiration as a whole, not just for the people that work here at our headquarters in Austin, but worldwide. Like You can feel that with other people. I love the absolute passion you have for your business and every time I've listened to you in different interviews and seen your website and stuff like that you can feel that there's actual true passion behind this you know you're all in like you've said into your business it's for you as much for the customers and you know you're not just there trying to make a quick buck and it's their true love in your business and I think that's why it's uh, also been so successful but how on earth did you manage to juggle this you know like learning all these new skills keeping your career going keeping the business just ticking over dealing with stock inventory 
all these sorts of things, you know. Did the army kind of, like, hard and soft skills that they teach you, were these kind of uh, essential in your implementation of business skills? You know, is there things you learned in the army that you think every guy listening should be able to do that, you know, do they teach you like time management, um, running, obviously, like leader leading groups and stuff like that? But what else do you think the military helped you in your business sense? Yeah, I mean, I think time management was a, a massive um, aspect of it because if you wanted to do anything outside of the military, you had to manage your time to you know, the minute or second uh, because, like, to give you a little insight of what my schedule looked like when I was, you know, doing YouTube and building the business and in the army. So I'd wake up around, you know, probably, let's see, 4.30 or 5, get a little bit work done before going into PT. And we have PT, we had a a morning meeting at 6 a.m. And then PT was from 6.30 to 7.30. And then typically what I would do is I would sleep in my truck from 7.30 to 9. And then we go into work for the army and work. And then during lunch, we'd be on an hour lunch. I would sleep then and then work until five, six, maybe 7 PM if we weren't in the field or doing some sort of training exercise at that point. And then after that, go home, get my camera ready, start filming YouTube videos. And we'd film videos and work on the business and the brand. And at the time my brother was in Texas shipping out orders and we would do this until, you know, midnight. Like I vividly remember many, many times getting back from the gym because uh, we worked out in a 24-7 gym, back to the gym around midnight, and then I'd edit videos until 2 a.m. to have the video up the next day. And then I'd sleep from 2 a.m. to 4.30 and do it all over again the next day. So like time management is just something you have to learn if it's something you want to – if you're truly passionate and really want. And that's why I talk about in my book. It's called 25 Hours a Day. I lived like I had an extra day. Like if sleep had to be eliminated, sleep was eliminated. Like if a meal had to be skipped, a meal had to be skipped. And I think most people say, well, why don't you live 23 hours a day then? You know, why don't you live like you have one less? Well, when you live like you have one less, you're rushing yourself, right? So you'll see people who think they manage time correctly and they're always rushing. They always feel overwhelmed with time. And I was at this one military school and we were working with the uh, Ranger Regiment at Fort Benning in Georgia. And this one captain walked up to me and he says, hey, you see that, that guy over there? He was a captain in the Ranger Regiment. He said, when shit hits the fan and everyone else is freaking out and overwhelmed, that guy calms down. He is cooler than the other side of the pillow. And I said, well, shit, I want to be that guy. I want to be like that guy. So it's as much as you have going on, as crazy as your life becomes – stay as cool as the other side of the pillow, stay calm and collective. And, you know, sometimes sleep and food weren't a priority and there were a lot of other priorities and people will, people will cringe at that. Oh, sleep is important. Food is important. When you're in the military and you want to do something outside of your time in the military and you want to create something and build something, you have to sacrifice some things in food and sleep or some of them. And, the social life was essentially non-existent because of what I was trying to build and create. And without doing that for years, I would no way be in the position I am right now. 
And is that sort of linked to the, the tiny heart syndrome that you've talked about? Is it just some people just don't want it bad enough? Or is it just a case that when people got to that point of, like, you know, every business, it's almost going to fold in itself. Some people see it as a, right, stop now sign, while other people see it as a, a learning curve. You know, is you know were there points that you've you were going to give it up so what made you kind of like pass them on and learn from them almost i think i think too many people are entitled too many people are entitled to i deserve time off i deserve vacations i deserve to splurge on something i want to buy they expect things to come to them and i was ne- i never had that feeling i never had the feeling where I deserve my business to take off. I deserve to make this much money. I knew like, if I wanted it, I had to earn it. And once I got to the point where I wanted to be, if I didn't keep pushing, and this is how I still live, like, if I don't keep pushing harder and harder and harder, well, then I'm going to go backwards. You know, Once you reach where you want to be, whether that's like a small micro goal within your massive goal, if you don't keep going, you're going to go backwards. It's it's always pushing forward, and like having that mindset is, it's kind of what allowed me to keep driving forward for, you know, five years. I didn't pay myself for five years uh, after starting the business. First time I paid myself and took money from the business was 2017, and I started it in 2012. That's dedication. I mean, is that where you, you know you've come up with the concept of embrace the suck? Is is it what is it during this time you kind of that was a sort of initiated for you, you know what? Can you explain to people listening like what your sort of philosophy of embracing the sack is and how you utilize it and how pe- other people listening can learn from you know your kind of approach to not give up when it's just getting uncomfortable, you know, become comfortable yeah. in the uncomfortableness. Yeah, I mean, embrace the suck is is a term that's been used in the military for decades. And the first time I heard it, my buddy was in basic training. It was like 2009, maybe around then. And he was having just like a crappy day. Drill sergeants were yelling at him, and he went to the porter potty to kind of get some alone time to escape some of the screaming. And on the porter potty wall on the inside, it was written in Sharpie, "Embrace the suck." And he came back and he told me that, and it just it resonated with me. And it wasn't like it changed my life. But it was the writing on the wall of how I, I wanted to live my life, right? So I thrive in times of lack of sleep where I'm physically beat down and tired. And that's why I do some of these things like the 100-mile ruck march, the 150-mile ruck march. It's why I'm training for an Ironman right now. It's because I thrive like when my legs hurt, when my lungs hurt, when my heart hurts, when everything hurts – that is like I look at that as fuel. Like I embrace that feeling and I use it as fuel to push me forward. And that mindset, that discipline, it compounds over time and time again. So some people will say that mantra. They'll say they can embrace the suck as they're doing something. Maybe it gets them through their first 5K. Maybe it gets them through their first marathon. But if you don't live that every single day of your life – you kind of, you know, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that 
people want to get motivated and, and driven for that one thing, and I think it's going to change their life, what no matter what that is. But it's something that compounds. That's what I always say. Like, it's multiple things that I want to do. I always want to live this lifestyle in, in that mantra because it compounds over and over again to put you in a position of success. You know, when I was trying to scale and build my brand, just because I stayed up one night and didn't sleep and embraced that doesn't mean I got any closer to building the business. Just because I couldn't do some things of luxury because I had to save money for the business, that one time didn't get me closer to building the business. But it's these things that compounded over time. And I did it over and over again. It became routine and discipline. That put me closer to building my business. So how does that go in sort of in conjunction with the one more concept you know because i could imagine that in terms of like one more try or one more rep and things like that but was that something that you used you know giving it like one more day one more like last push to get this done you know, how did you avoid burning out during these and um, like really intense days when you really try and embrace a sack but you know did you ever just sort of crack under the pressure and just need a break from it because, you know, you were working nonstop on your own personal project, which I know myself is devastating, but you were in an area where you couldn't just go take a vacation. You couldn't just stop because you're in a very regimented and controlled environment. So how did you avoid that burnout? Because so many people listening give the bullshit excuse, oh, they don't have enough time. Oh, it's too hard. They haven't, you know, they haven't got the energy to deal with work and running a side business but you're in the military service you know and not even in the same country as your business products and you're making it work do you think we've become soft as men due to all the the modern technology and stuff we've got no i mean i've experienced burnout 100 percent. my nine months in south korea i never experienced burnout i'll admit to that but I do experience burnout sometimes, not to a sense where like I don't want to do things anymore, but in a creative sense. I get creatively burnt out sometimes because my mind is always going and thinking of the next thing. Like I'm always trying to push my limits of what I can accomplish. So I don't get like physically burnt out. I don't get necessarily mentally burnt out. I get creatively burnt out sometimes. Um, and I think that's that's pretty normal. And one thing that I found that helps that is running actually. Running for me is therapeutic where – and that's probably why I'm training for an Ironman right now because that is the one time where my mind is just clear and I can focus on one thing and I become more creative and I can you – know, that's where I find and think of most of my business and, and my fitness ideas and YouTube videos and series ideas. Like That's where I can really think during running now. And I, I think burnout exists. Like I've – I have been physically burnt out. I have reached levels of overtraining by overdoing it. But to be honest, I like burning out because I like knowing where my 100% is. So many people are afraid to burn out. So many people are afraid to overtrain. So many people are afraid to undersleep because they're afraid that they're going to burn out. And they think they're operating 100%, but in reality, they're probably operating at like 40 or 50%. Most people, most people don't know where 100% exists or lies because they've never tried to get there. I know where 100% is, like creatively, mentally, physically. I've pushed my body to those places. 
And that's why I still do some of this crazy stuff. Like that's why I'm training for the Ironman. That's why I did the 100 mile ruck march. I wanted to see where my 100% is because if I know where that is, I know how to operate at 80 and 90. I know what it feels like when I'm operating at 50. I know what it feels like when I'm operating at 100. And a lot of people will never feel that. So a lot of people when they say, man, I'm going 100% at something. No, man, you're operating at 50. You just don't know what 100% feels like. And that's why. Like that's the main reason why. And I, I'm a firm believer of that. Because that, that was actually going to be one of my questions was – you know, you seem to almost replace the military demands and the the changing environment and the cha- you know the challenges that come from it by creating your own like you know taking up an Ironman, doing like workouts so that you can actually see your reflection in your own sweat and these sort of things and you know constantly like creating the podcast, writing the book. You seem to kind of always need to keep challenging yourself um, from it. And, you know, was this something that you found hard to transition from military life? Was it difficult to kind of leave that ideology behind? I don't know, that's like, say, that kind of ideology of yourself as the military man and move back into sort of civilian life? Did, did you struggle at all? No, I, I, I mean, I did miss it a lot when I got out. I missed it, I missed the people. And I think one of the things when when I was in that I really enjoyed was I loved being a leader by example. So I loved, you know, if if the guys were expected to run eight miles that day, I found joy in being you know, in front of the platoon, setting the standard, running those eight miles with them. And I loved, you know, setting the example of doing the right thing. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I loved being a part of a team. And when I transitioned out, you know, I didn't have 40 guys with me anymore. We had, we, I went to a small team, just me and two other guys building the brand. And that's what I missed is I missed all the people, all the energy, um, all the camaraderie when I got out. And that was probably, that was probably, like, I don't want to say a shock, but that's, I consider going back in for a small time being to get that back, you know, and. And when I was in and when, when you are in the military, you, you feel this purpose. Like everything you do, whether productive or unproductive in the military, you feel a purpose of what you're doing, an overarching purpose. And when you get out, it's like, well, what's what's my purpose now? And I think that's kind of the hard thing to, to refine. But when you know, I got my stuff back together and I got in check and I, I was, kept doing YouTube videos, I realized my purpose is – to help people push past their mental and physical barriers with the things that I do. Like set the example, be the example of doing the right thing and pushing yourself to accomplish your dreams. And like that is now my purpose, like to inspire other people to do that same thing that I did. Apologies for the intrusion into your interview. Just wanted to give you a quick shout out about some affiliate deals I've been working on. If you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, you'll find some special offers, listener-exclusive deals, and discount codes available here. There really is something for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, a special occasion, or for someone else. You can find whatever you need there. There's a lot of inspiring companies and interesting products that you may not have seen before, but you'll definitely want to get. There's companies there advertised like Onnit, Amazon, Meet Andy's, Barbell Apparel, Dollar Shave Club, and so many more. There's companies who help you with your dating life, who help you with your sporting performance, and who can improve your sex life. 
You'll find sporting equipment, tactical gear, outdoor equipment, gadgets and gizmos, and so much more. If you need it, it's there, and stuff you never even knew you wanted, but you'll definitely want to check it and pick it up there. Simply go to www.nextlittleguy.com forward slash affiliates and enjoy. Please note, I don't receive any information on you or your purchase. All I receive is a small commission from the business as a thank you for sending you to shop with them through the links. All monies are used to improve the website, and I thank you if you use the link, and I thank you for being a listener. Now let's get back to the rest of the interview. Because I've, I've interviewed other people who've come out of the military, and you know they've said... Um, more of the kind of sort of the British side that there wasn't the greatest of transition from the kind of structured help and like all the services that they got while they were in the military as soon as they came into civilian life there was no kind of setup to make sure they transitioned that they got help you know going back to normal life leaving that behind one of them said it was like the like you said the noise and the the energy and the people he misses it like crazy and he had to leave um, because of medical reasons and he said because you know it was just that kind of you it's like losing a family it's you're losing like it's like he'd lost part of who he was i mean do you find that difficult to not be promoted as the veterinary you know the vet the i almost said veterinarian there jesus um you know the military <laughs> guy did you find it difficult not to have people just make you out as the military guy because there's far more to you than that but everybody has this kind of story that they like to market is it difficult because i think i heard you discussing another thing well i think it was matt vincent where he was saying he's not just the highland games guy but people link the two of you that like you know your story and you together is it difficult for you to come out of that shadow and to build the brand and make it a unique entity no i mean i you know i really appreciate my story and and where i came from and and, the experiences i learned while in but i by no means want that to define who i am the rest of my life you know so i think sometimes too many people will rely on focus on the pa- or focus on the past now p- to put in a f- fitness perspective you got people posting their transformation photos from 10 years ago you know if you focus on the past you know you're not moving forward so i love talking about like you know some stories and stuff from the military and my time in and it's a time in my life that i'm very grateful for because I loved being an infantry platoon leader, and it was a time when I was building my brand, and I was so productive, and I was working really, really hard, um, and I was you know, still working really, really hard, but it was just a difficult time, and I, I appreciate those those hard times, but I don't want that to be you know, who I am for the rest of my life. Like, I don't want to be just Nick Bear, the guy who was in the Army. That's why I want, I want to be Nick Bear, the entrepreneur, the author, the guy who's writing the books, the guy who is pushing himself physically and mentally. Like, I am appreciative of the past in, you know, my time in, but I want to do more with the future. And I think that's where a lot of people fail and get stuck is they get so caught up in the past of what they've done or how it, you know, who it made them be, they stop focusing on the future and they stop focusing or feel like they don't have to do anything in the future because they've already done everything to set themselves up for success. 
But the reality is like you never stop. You have to keep pushing forward if you want to become something bigger and better. It's not for like – I'm not saying everyone has to create social media platforms. and Everyone has to be an entrepreneur. But there should always be something you're reaching for in life, you know, whether that's fitness, business, family, faith, like whatever that goal is you're searching for in life. You have to constantly be taking steps forward to, to self-improve towards that. And if you're always focused on what you did in the past, yeah, I think that's, that's what hurts so many people. I love that. It's, it's definitely a message that very few people are saying. In fact, I think the first time I heard it was from you about the you know before and after pictures and people are putting them out consistently and you're saying, well, why? That's the past. Why are you not focusing on like what you're going to do? And I, I love that kind of message that you've given so how do you build a tribe then from this you know if you take away that aspect of your story and we, we you know we've we remove our our past laurels almost if you want to call them that how do we then make sure that you know we talked about how to build a, a brand that connects with people but how do we build a tribe with us how do we make sure that we're getting into the right people and we're not just noise you know we're actually getting to the people that are going to connect with our brands yeah, I mean, I think you know, creating your your team, and that this is a point where I'm at in my, you know, my business. My priority is building the best team possible, and whether that means taking a few steps back in business to kind of reevaluate and reassess where I'm at, and build the best team possible. And I was talking to Mark Bell actually uh, last week, and one of the things he said was hire slow and fire fast. Uh, and that can be more true. Like building the perfect team takes time. And building the team, setting them up for success, like having everyone align and know the vision you know, puts, puts you in the position of, of growing and moving forward. Now, surrounding yourself with that, like, that tribe, those people that align with you um, – I think it's a very interesting like concept and perspective right now. And I think it's something that's really popular and it's it's pretty buzzy, you know, online right now. And the thing is like when I first got in the fitness industry, my network was massive. Like I wanted to connect with everyone and anyone. Like I wanted to do collaboration videos and collaboration projects. I wanted to have like a million friends, right? And as I slowly was in the industry a little bit more, I'm sure any, any industry is like this, you realize, well, your values and your vision and your mission doesn't align with all those people. So my tribe got smaller and smaller and smaller over the years where the people that I communicate with, the people that I trust, the people that I value with my time, to be honest, is smaller. But those people that I, I keep in that tribe, like, their vision, their mission is aligned with mine. And if it doesn't align with mine, I don't want to be rude and say, like, it's a waste of my time. But time is the most valuable thing you have, especially as you're running a business, you know, and you're trying to balance a lot of things. And that tribe has gotten smaller and smaller where the people have to have similar goals or similar vision or similar mission, you know, for what they're trying to accomplish. So what is then your overall goal for the business? You know, what what do you want to like say you've died and this is going to be your legacy 
and you you know what what do you want it to grow to or like people to think of you when they think of this brand you know like if if you couldn't change anything about it except for its general direction what would you want the brand to stand for yeah i mean i think the vision that i've created and i'm really doubling down on now is the bpn brand my personal brand it resonates with people to push themselves past physical mental barriers they place on themselves and i think this is like the moment it really hit me this is what i wanted to do was it was probably 2016 and i was a, a platoon leader for a few months at this point and i was that platoon leader that would give like motivational speeches sometimes after pt and uh, this one time I gave like this, this speech to my platoon just to jack them up and get them excited. And like, I wanted to know what they wanted to do with the rest of their lives. And I like, went around the circle asking them. And like, I realized so many of them didn't have the confidence. Like, they thought they had these barriers on them physically and mentally of what they could accomplish in their life based off of where they came from, where they grew up, their family, their experience. And, and I, I literally got angry. I remember getting angry because I was like, you guys are – you're putting these mental and physical barriers on yourself. Like you have the ability to do so much more than you think you do. And that stuck with me for a long time. That was, that was just my 40 guys in my platoon. But I want hundreds of thousands or millions of people to be touched by that message where, you know, I was that average dude growing up. But because I didn't have like these mental and physical barriers that I placed myself, I was able to do things that no one else thought I would probably do when I was younger. And anyone can do that. Like I am no different than anyone else. My mindset just going into things pushes me a little bit further. So that's the message I want to get across. Like That would be the legacy I want to leave. And is there a way that we can identify and then start working on these, like, you know, these kind of rigid blocks? How do we know what's sensible to listen to but what's actually holding us back? You know, was there a way that you kind of acknowledged your own or understood it? Did the military did something in your experience with the military or since then? Has it, how did you find out what's a what's a bullshit holding you back and what's actually good to listen to in terms of these kind of mental stimulus? Even, I mean, I think there's small small steps and stages that you, you, you move forward with. So by no means am I saying like, I identified this five years ago and went and did these massive big things instantly. But I got comfortable with slowly stepping outside of my comfort zone, whether that was picking up a camera and talking to it in public, or that was, um, you know, liquidating any investments or my Roth IRAs that I had saved up and putting them back into the business or taking on a loan to start a business. It's these small things that you start doing and with each one that moves forward, you take a little bit more risk or it becomes a little bit more challenging or a little bit more difficult. And I think like, that's exactly where I'm at now where like, talking from a physical sense, well, now I'm training for an Ironman, which will be the hardest thing I've done. But I think you have to kind of take a big leap of faith in the beginning. I think one of the things that did that for me was two things. One, starting the business was massive risk and faith. Two, 
joining the military and specifically ranger school, which was like being fed by a fire hose, you know, and that kind of forced me in a position of learning, adapting and growing. And then after that, I realized, well, I can do these things. Let's see what else I can do. So if, if anyone's listening to this and thinks, well, how do I take the first step? Well, what's the first thing you want to do? And you first you think that thing that's going to be challenging and you want to do, but then there's instantly resistance due to overanalyzing it. Well, that's probably a thing you should do. Whether that's you know start a new project you've always wanted to start, start a business, go run a 5K, run a marathon, enter a bodybuilding competition, train for a powerlifting competition. The options are endless, and I'm just talking from a business fitness perspective. But like, take that first step. And then after that step, find the next challenging thing after that and after that and after that. And eventually you'll be doing shit you never thought you were going to be doing. That's I love the way you look at things. You know, I was blown away with the um, interview that you did recently with, with I think, it was Matt Vincent. You know, it, was, it was the first time that I actually heard an authentic conversation about business, you know, about what holds people back and how people look at it. You know, it was not the kind of the usual bullshit kind of answers that you hear in some of these podcasts and it was it was really blew me away at just how good it was and it completely changed the way I look at creating a business and a tribe for myself you know I really love what you're doing with your your stuff there and you know I'm definitely getting a copy of the book and I love listening to your podcast etc but for somebody who's listening to this and went you know this guy's done amazing stuff but how do we even start you know look at what he's done I'll never get to this point. You know, how do we stop comparing ourselves to like the Tim Ferrises, the Gary Vaynerchuk's, the guys that have created it off their own backs? You know, the guys like yourself. How do we use you as inspiration to see what we can do, rather than oh god, I'll never be as good as them? You know, how do we keep it as a positive rather than a negative? I'll be honest. You got to stop. Almost reduce i don't want to say stop but reduce absorbing and increase creating over the years i've you know when i was first starting to scale my brand i i I had to learn some things right and when i was learning things i was reaching out to see who i could listen to and who i could learn from but it's got to get to a point where what are you absorbing like what are you listening to and is it fluff or is it useful and stop absorbing so much and start creating more because until you, until you start creating no matter what that is, whether that's content or a business or a plan, you're not going to get anywhere. And I always talk about backwards planning and this is something that's familiar and used every day in the military, but, uh, it's actually kind of groundbreaking for some of the civilian population. I think some of the people that were in the military don't, realize how great of a benefit backwards planning can be but you know for example you take a whiteboard in front of you and i use this example a lot and on the left side of this whiteboard is where you're at today on the right side of the whiteboard it's where you want to be and where you want to be is in five years well then you have to fill in from time now to your goal what has to be done within that time period leading up to that goal what are all the steps you have to take and you might not know them all but fill in what you can. And as you start to learn and grow and develop, you're going to start filling in more and more things. 
and each one of those things has to have a time allocated to them to reach your goal within the time period selected, whether that's five years, 10 years, whatever, and backwards plan from the goal to where you are today to set yourself up for success. Because if you're constantly just you know throwing darts at a dartboard, hoping something sticks, which it's what I had to do in the beginning, but if you keep doing that, even when you start to find some momentum and some traction, well, you have no direction towards your goal, and you have to have direction towards your goal, and that's where backwards planning comes, you know, comes into play. I love that. I'd, I've never really heard that concept used. I mean, we've all kind of done the, you know, the kind of thing of look into your future and the find the person that you want to be, and how how do you get there? And you know, everybody comes away thinking, oh, I want to do this and that, but nobody ever kind of puts goals in place. And it quick they quickly forget it when all the you know the next TV program pops up and things like that. Like I loved that idea that you um you talked about in I think you were in Ranger School where it was the best time because you had no distractions. You were just sitting doing what they were telling you to do. There was no social media. You didn't know what was happening in the outside world. You just focused on the goal at hand, and you got to actually connect with people. And I, I love that kind of thing of once we we don't connect to ourselves. You know, we barely connect with the other people outside because of all this other distractions. And it's like you're saying is we need to cut all that out, stop absorbing and start creating. And it's, I definitely know you've, you've spoken to me there as well, because I've gone down the line of far too much crap. You know, I'm trying to juggle 50 different platforms and creating a podcast and all that. And you're, you know, you give lip service to each thing where you're not creating a proper effort because you're not given everything that's due consideration is that something you struggled with is you know at what point did you learn just to sort of cut the chaff and go and give your 100 percent? it was it was when i got to south korea actually you know it's in the beginning when you don't have a strong vision or understanding of where you're heading you try to dip your hands in a little bit of everything you, know, you, you try to does this work? Does this work? Does this work? You're trying to find out what works. And then before you know it, you're spread so thin that you're not dedicating 100% to anything. You're giving everything like 10%. And when you're doing that, you're, you're spreading yourself th- so thin that you can't make one of those things work. So it wasn't until, you know, I think Ranger School was a great example where that's one time where there were literally zero distractions. None. I couldn't talk to the outside world. I couldn't talk to my family. I couldn't talk to my friends. didn't have a phone. All I had was my mission, which was what I wanted to complete Ranger School, the people around me and the mission of what was to be completed for that day. And I could focus so full heartedly onto this one thing that I changed the way I think and operate. Because I realized, wow, when you dedicate all your time to one thing, you can become successful. And when you're given a little bit of time every everywhere so spread thin well it's like you're not even making any forward progression or movement so when i got to south korea you know using these lessons learned my vision of where i wanted to go was so clear that i kind of eliminated a lot of distractions like i had priority infantry platoon leader secondary build the business and within that came some vertical you know things that i had to complete create a social media following, start YouTube or keep doing YouTube, 
learn how to market, learn how to run and operate a business. But there were less things I was focused on doing where I could double down and go all in on that, you know, those two things at the moment. So I think sometimes too often people spread themselves too thin where they can't dedicate time to one thing, you know, and that's a massive problem. Well, actually, now that you've said that, I've just had a quick check on the time and I'm blown away that it's been over an hour. You know, it's, we haven't even covered fitness, diet, philosophy, um, you know, the, your mindset. We haven't really looked at anything. So I, I definitely would love to have you on again because I think I needed this message for my own brand as much as people who are listening. And I wanted you to come on because you can showcase to people that all the usual excuses of why you can't build your side hustle, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, is complete garbage. You know, you built something, you just wanted it, and then you found your way to do it. And you've outlined some amazing ways people can actually find it and just achieve their dreams. So... I know you're really pressed for time, so I've still got pages and pages, so I'd love to have you on again, but what do you want people listening to take from this? You know, if you had a sort of go-home message for them, what would you want them to take from this? I think it's, you know, it's it's finding your vision of what you're trying to do. And if you don't have, like, a vision of who you want to be or what you want to accomplish, it's really hard to make forward progression towards anything you want to do uh, because you're just dreaming and hoping, you know, instead of setting a timeline of things that you've accomplished to get there. And not only is it important for you to understand your vision, but also your team and your audience. So like if your team that works with you doesn't understand your vision and your audience that listens to you or watches you doesn't understand what you're trying to do in your vision, well, then no one knows what you're trying to do, including you. So it's it's find your vision, try to establish that, and then make sure everyone around you knows that too. And make it clear and then go all in on it. I love that. It's Everything you're saying is just so it, – it's really sort of hitting home. And I know people are really going to take something from this. So the question I really like hearing from people is – is it an unusual fact about yourself, you know, that you've not kind of released to the general public that sort of surprises people? You know, you've done some amazing stuff. You're in fantastic shape. You know, you've been in the military. You built your business from scratch. You've got an amazing story. But is there anything that kind of people are still really stunned when they hear you announce? Man, um... You know, I share so much of my life on uh, on YouTube that I don't know if there's anything I've I've let out really. Um, you know, I'd have to think really hard on that one. One thing though is I'm a fan of pineapple and pizza, and I know a lot of people are not. So I might take some hate for that. I might take some love, <laughs> but um, to each their own. That's a quick way of dividing it and finding your own tribe, isn't it? I mean, I've got yeah. I've got this series of questions that I normally throw in like near the end of interviews where it goes in. And one of my favorite questions is the, you know, you've, you're ahead of a dinner party. You can pick five other people, alive or dead, real or fictional. 
but you have to pick the ultimate dream dinner party for you. Who would you pick? And it blows people away. The serious thought some people give, it, it's brilliant to watch. And we've had some amazing answers, you know, from like, I think it was Mahatma Gandhi, The Undertaker, Genghis Khan, you know, all on the one dinner table and you're like, not sure how that would work. And that's what I love doing and really connecting with people. Um, but that's something I struggle with just now is building that community, is getting people to come back for the one, you know, not just for one interview, but to come back and embrace the brand. And I really think a lot of what you said has hit home. I mean, how do you find your podcast? Do you, are you enjoying it? You know, what's what's the the inspiration for you starting the book over continuing the podcast and keeping going with the brand? You know, what what made you go the written format? Yeah, so the the, the book is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, for one, it is the things that I've lived and documented on YouTube in a written format that can reach larger audiences, uh, right? So there, there's obviously like a marketing perspective behind writing a book, and it reaches a different audience, it establishes credibility as um, an author. So you know when I first started, I was a YouTuber, and some people might see me as a YouTuber still, uh, but I'm I want to establish that that credibility as a entrepreneur and author rather than YouTuber. So that's part of what the book is. Um, and there's these things that I always talk about on social media. Like I'll, I'll give little stories and lessons on Instagram posts or snippets in YouTube videos. And I wanted a place that, which is this book that they all lived, you know, all these things that I talk about and like some real life practical lessons through the military and starting a business and life that applies these lessons. I wanted that one place where you could, you know, read those things. The podcast for me, and the reason we started that, it's, you know, that each social platform has something that is important. Like for me, YouTube videos are documenting and showing and transparency through vlogs and videos and and showing emotion. Like video has a really great way to capture emotion and display emotion and make people feel a certain way. And Instagram has its its place too. I think podcasts are great for longer uh, you know, longer audio pieces where it's whether it's a conversation or it's um, a topic that I want to talk about. And I think each social platform has it's a different place where you can show and make people feel and react different ways. And a podcast is just one of those things. It's, it's different, you know? So then, if I was to ask you that five dinner guests question, who would you go for? Man, to be honest, dinner? I would I would probably say The Rock, to be honest. The Rock would be there. Good choice. Um, I would have, you know, I, let's see two different scenarios. One would be The Rock and, and my NCOs from my platoon uh, because I think that would be super cool. The NCOs from my platoon in the Army and The Rock would be a badass dinner conversation and be fun and it would be, be wild. So that's like – that's one perspective. Um, let's see. The other 
The other would be all of the Medal of Honor recipients in the U.S. military. Um, to learn, one, their story before, two, their story of receiving the Medal of Honor, and three, how their life changed after receiving the Medal of Honor. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Dakota Meyer, who's a Medal of Honor recipient, who lives in the Austin area, and we talk on a regular basis, and he was a Medal, like I said, Medal of Honor recipient. Um, and kind of just hearing his story and his perspective on his life before the events during and then his life after has been really interesting. And I really enjoyed that. And I think having a table of Medal of Honor recipients would be uh, very interesting. I'm almost disappointed just now because I've just realized, like, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the conversation and I've just opened up thousands of sort of more questions. Um, that this is what I mean. It's like, this is why I love interviewing guys like you. Is It, it really helps me develop myself. It gets us more involved with you and it showcases what amazing guys you are and it inspires other people to become better men. And I can't give you a bigger compliment than that. It's what you're doing is fantastic and it's you've got such an interesting story i mean i would love everybody listening to get a copy of this book when's it coming out uh right now we're shooting for november it's called 25 hours a day and is there anything um and if you've got any projects in anything at the moment coming up that you want people to check out you know when are you planning to do iron man is there any kind of um like venture holding to, to sort of promote the book leading up to it. Yeah, so the the Iron Man is like my main focus right now, um, and that is November second in Panama City, Florida. So that's what I'm training for. Uh, we have the book launching November time frame, and shortly after, I'll be doing a book tour around the United States. Um, and then with Bear Performance Nutrition, um, we are launching some new products coming up in the coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, we have a strong reds to complement our strong greens. We have some new flavors of whey protein and pre-workout. Uh, and then we are also working to relaunch Embrace the Suck Training. So Embrace the Suck Training has been um, our, our physical training platform uh, where we offer 12-week training programs. And we're completely revamping that platform. Um, and we're hiring actually uh, one of my friends who – He's a Green Bray with with Ten Special Forces Group. Uh, he has his strength and condi conditioning certification, uh, and he is going to be running all of the strength and conditioning programming for Embrace Suck Training. So that's going to be a massive launch, probably in the next three or four months. Um, so there's a lot going on right now. There's always a lot a lot of moving pieces, but that's just the way I love it. You got to constantly be moving forward. Well, I've used up enough of your time just now. I cannot say thank you enough for this. I wish you nothing but success for the future. I barely touched the sides with some of the questions. We bounced around, but there's so many things I want to go into in deeper detail. So if you've had nearly as much fun as I have, I would love you to have, uh, come on again. But for those listening, um, which I'm hoping there's a lot, how can they find out more about you, keep in touch? You know, Where can we find you on social media, your website, that sort of thing? Yeah, so my website is www.bare, that's B-A-R-E, 
performancenutrition.com. Uh, my Instagram personally is Nick Bear Fitness. YouTube, if you just search Nick Bear, a uh, bunch of my videos will pop up. I think I have over 100, over 500 videos now. Uh, and then if you want more information on myself, it is www.nick-bear.com. Perfect. Well, the floor is open to you. If there's anything else that you want to add, um, now's the time. And I appreciate you having me on. I I thoroughly look forward to our next conversation and, and dive a little bit deeper on some of those so the, some of those other topics. But um, I can talk about that stuff for days. You know, it's it's where I'm passionate about. It's what I love. It's it's become such a huge part of me, which is almost like it's like half my heart. You know, like without it, I don't know if my heart would operate. Um, but it's just what I love. You know, it's I love being able to build and create this. And looking back at the past seven years leading up to this point, um, it's and I always tell people it's been a crazy, crazy journey, and I've loved every part of it. And to, you know, to give any sort of inspiration is the part that I love the most actually is right before we were about to really kind of blow up and grow. It's the really hard struggle, you know, where you have no money left. You're struggling to to create demand for the supply. You're you're frustrated with trying to figure out how to make it work. Those are some of the best times. Those are the most, some of the most fun times. And those are the times you need to document because you're going to want to look back at that and remember what it feels like to be there. And it's humbling. And it makes you want to push even harder to remember where you started. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Uh, well, I think that's a perfect point to leave it. I mean, I'm, I love listening to your interviews. I love your story. You're such an inspiring guy. And that's why I'm almost disappointed to be ending because I could listen to you talk for days. There's thousands of things I want to ask. So we'll leave that for round two. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.